the topic of uh, the, 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 the team, the talk this evening will be about, still about the gradual training. And then we will try to understand a little bit more about the third mode. That means we speak a bit about uh, samatha, how we relate to it. Is it? We, yes. 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 Pardon me? Yes. Yeah. So then I should go back, and then if I am too enthusiastic, then do, <laughs> so go like this. You. So don't say anything. You, you you just say like this, and then I will I will back up. <laughs> thank thank you thank you. It's very really good. Like we should not we should. I think these talks also are to just help us to practice meditation, and then it's for inspiration. So whatever is said actually is not important. It's the way that it is said. So the way that we perceive it. What is the message behind that? So we speak about clarity, calm, and uh, balance. So I was saying that, you know, we speak about the mode number three, but I am sure that many of you might not have come for that purpose. And uh, you might have been interested, actually, to know more about the turtle stories. So the question that arose at some point is that turtles, you know, they are kind of very amazing. First of all, uh, I discovered today that there is a difference with a tortoise and then a turtle. And uh, you, you, in French, I don't think it's, uh, they make the distinctions. I don't think they make so much of the distinction. Anyway, the, you know better than being, but still, I think uh, some uh, English speaking may not know the difference. So the the the, the turtle is the is the, the the reptile that that is more on the you know walking, like it's more on the earth, right? Of course, it's amphibian, and then it goes in the water. But the legs, you know, like the picture you have over there, it is just walk. It's it's more. Uh, uh, adapted to, to walk if it's on the land. And then the tortoise is these big things. Sometimes they are small, but they have, uh, you know, they have the, uh, how do you say? The, it's the other way around. The other way Okay, yes. So anyway, <laughs> it doesn't matter. <laughs> really good. So we all learn, no? So you, you tell me. If I, got, if I go wrong, you please correct me. So... Anyway, you speak about the tortoise and then the the, tor- the, the turtle, the tortoise, the tortoise, and then the, the turtle. <laughs> yes. Anyway, you know what I'm speaking about, huh? And then the turtle is the tortoise is is the swimming one, the the, the turtle. Okay. So the picture is a, is the tortoise. Okay, so now we'll come to the point. Is uh, you know these turtles? It's much easier to say for a French-speaking guy. The turtles are uh, they they get born from eggs. Huh? They are they are uh, reptiles and uh, being born from from eggs. And then when the uh, when the female have their eggs, you know, after they, after, when they grow up, then they can go in the ocean and then they can travel for at least a year, sometimes two years, and then they go in the ocean. Sometimes they may also go all around the earth. 
just swimming in this big ocean. And then when it's the time for them to uh, procreate, then they go back exactly at the same place where they laid their eggs, uh, where, where, where they were born. Where they were born, where they, they, they came out of their eggs. So the question is, uh, how do they find their direction? Do you have a clue? I'm sure the, 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 the smart guys have clues and don't know about it. So, anyway, I will just explain to you. Now I, am, I, have, the, I have the mic. So, the reason is that uh, they go with the earth, uh, how do you call that? Magnetic. Magnetic field. So, the earth is actually having some kind of vibrations. It's a, it has some magnetic fields. That means that it's, it's related to energy. I think so. Hmm? And uh, then, then when they are born, they register these types of uh, you know magnetic field, and then somewhere in their organism, then they can they can they can uh, remember it. So they go back with that uh, physical memory that uh, that tunes them to the place where they were born, just with, uh, with the magnetic field. And then the scientists actually found this out because uh, they first uh, put up the hypothesis, and then they saw also that uh, the Earth magnetic field is changing. From time to time, it is changing a little bit. And then they noticed that uh, because of this change of uh, vibrations, then uh, the turtles, at some point, they laid their eggs, you know, all together, and then they, they were not, they, it changed a little bit the place where they laid the, their eggs. So then they did you so. Because the magne magnetic field changed, then they also changed their, uh, you know, the egg uh, delivery. So that's, uh, this is the reason. So now we'll go into the field of Buddhism, right? And uh, we'll start with the sutta. Which suttas are, are speaking about turtles? Oh, so there is one. Well, I'm, I'm not that stubborn, you know, but there are topics about turtles. So we'll still go on. And <laughs> Anyway, if you don't like turtles, I hope at least uh, at the end you will like them. So uh, there is a sutta. And uh, in the Sanyutta Nikaya, and it's speaking about, you may know actually this uh, story. It's speaking about uh, uh, the Buddha is uh, speaking to monks, and then he tells them, suppose, monks, that uh, there is a turtle going into the ocean, just swimming endlessly, you know, just going in the ocean and then swimming. And once in a while, she is putting her head in the surface of the water, and then she keeps on swimming without so much of a precise directions. And uh, then also, there is the a cart, a yoke, yoke of a cart, right, that is floating on the water. And uh, then also, this is just going uh, without a specific uh, direction. It's just going with the influence by the winds and uh, the currents and things like this. So uh, the question is to the monks is, uh, what do you think, monks? Is it possible or are there any chances that the turtle 
will come, you know, and put her head in the in the yoke. And the monks say, well, actually, it's almost impossible, but still, you know, there is a possibility. We have to admit that, but it will be very rare. The chance are very little. So, the, uh, why the Buddha said that is that uh, he wanted to uh, to just inform, you know, uh, the monks that uh, the chance to be reborn as a human being if somebody has died before and then was reborn as an animal the chance for them to be reborn in the human realm again is just about that it's almost it's very 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 difficult But of course, if we are doing so, it's for 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 those who don't uh, uh, who don't have so much of uh, wisdom, and then also their behavior is not so good. So because of that, then uh, they look down because of their ignorance. They look down, and their their actions also is pushing them down in the field of uh, trouble uh, realms of existence. But uh, those who are looking up, those who have the possibility to discern and then to make a distinction with, between good and bad and merits and unmerits and uh, you know uh, these types of things, then their life is more uh, positive, it's more uh, skillful. So because of that, then there is a possibility to be reborn in good, in good realms. realms huh? So all of us, we can expect, you know, because we are practicing and there is a, uh, rather a good deal of, cl- of clarity that we have the chance to uh, just to be born, you know, in, in good realms of existence. But also these realms of existence have to do maybe with... Uh, a magnetic field again. So, is it possible that uh, we have different dimensions in the universe? And actually, the Buddhist or the ancient uh, Indian cosmology is explaining about the, these different realms of existence. So, uh, they divide them into 32, huh? and then you have lower realms like. Uh, uh, the you know the the the, the ghost or the demons or uh, all kinds of uh, very low you know hell and things like this animals also and then you have the humans and then after that you have the gods and then the big gods and so there there are levels of existence but these levels of existence are related to the to the vibration of the the, the vibration frequencies that these beings generate. So we can experience in ourselves these different uh, realms of existence depending on the way we tune the mind. We can tune the mind in very positive ways and then we can we are just connected with the with the angels or with the gods or things like this.
So is it important to know about that, the different realms of existence? I think somehow it's, uh, it's good to know that uh, we have different possibilities in life about the quality that we can give to it, and the quality we give to the life depends on the mind, right? And also, uh, after that, or when we die, what is happening? This is also a good question. And before we were born, what was there? This is also a question. Why we are born, how we are born, how we die, where we go, or, I mean, we, it's not intellectual. Everything has to be connected with the now. Now, what is happening? This is what is important. But still in, in the now, we can navigate into these uh, different uh, fields of uh, existence in ourselves. And we will, now, we'll, we'll, as we are talking about the graduate, the graduate training, we will go with, uh, again with the, with the story, the story of Raula, the son of the Buddha, who was the foremost in the graduate training. And, uh, you know, the last uh, explanation I gave about uh, the reflections uh, that uh, the Buddha told him to do, then this discourse is, was given to him. They say, you know, that this discourse was given to him when he was seven years old as a child. So uh, the second, uh, second discourse also that, that is explaining how the Buddha taught to his son was when actually he was 18 years old. Hmm? And then in that, in that uh, second sutta, uh, the story is that uh, the son of the Buddha was looking at his father, huh? and then he was very proud of himself because he was probably very handsome, and then just uh, you know, the son of the big teacher, and then looking very good, and all of that. So because of the pride, uh, the Buddha thought that uh, it was time for him to, to, teach him, uh, to teach him a little bit uh, uh, the correct attitude. And... Uh, Actually, the Raoula wanted to learn about Anapanasati because his real teacher, like his practical teacher, was Sariputta. And uh, Sariputta was asked to, to, when he was passing close to Raoula, he, he saw him, you know, just sitting there and then very quiet. So he asked him, Are you practicing mindfulness of breathing? And then Raoula was not practicing that. So he went to the Buddha and then he asked him to teach him the practice of mindfulness of breathing. And then instead of teaching him that, then the Buddha proceeded and then uh, taught him uh, about uh, the four element meditation that we spoke, you know, that uh, we, we, we tried to uh, speak about this morning with the instructions. So... He told him, you know, just to see this body as the four elements and then see these four elements just as a matter uh, where there is no self, it's just impersonal. So what actually does it uh, refer to? Maybe he was telling uh, Raoula to relax and then to relax and to relax. To relax about what? To relax about the conceit that he had about himself. To relax about the attachment he had with the identity with himself. 
to relax also about all the craving that are associated with this attitude of selfing. Because there is a big deal of relaxation that comes from the mind. Uh, if we look at ourselves and see how much tension we have in life, uh, and then when we have the perspective, okay, no, we should not worry so much, and then don't take it so personal, we see that we relax to some extent. So in a way, you know, in a way, the meditation on the four elements is just to give us an attitude where we can be a little bit more objective, uh, and then we can accept a little bit more what is happening inside ourselves. It's not a scientific kind of explanation where we will analyze everything relation, you know, related to chemistry and things like this. No, it's very different. It's practical. What we are experiencing here, we are experiencing physical phenomena, and then these physical phenomena, not only they are non-self, but also they relate to the entire universe. And this is wonderful, because the less we identify with these processes, then the more the mind expands, because we, the, the, the personality is still conditioning itself to see the body as me. But when we don't see the body as me, then the body starts to lose a bit of its uh, conventional or constructed uh, limitation that we impose on it? Where is the limitation of our bodies? So we are part of the universe. We are somehow the universe. What is happening outside is also, is also happening inside. So this is the wonder of uh, this type of uh, practice. So this was one of the practices that uh, Raula was introduced by the Buddha, and then he gave him you know, several other practices before, at the end, giving him anapana. And uh, uh, one important uh, meditation that he gave him later, you know, uh, following the, these uh, four elements, uh, five elements, actually, uh, meditation, was, you know, he, was, he, he told him, Ah, oh, Rahula, you should practice loving-kindness meditation, you should practice metta, and then also, you know, the compassion and the sympathetic joy and then equanimity. So he encouraged him to practice the four Brahma-Vihara. And today we will start, like, uh, just to, to give a little bit more importance to, to that, just to complement a little bit the qualities of our meditation. Hmm? Sometimes we wonder, like, what is the purpose of our meditation? We went, we want to get enlightened. We went, to, we want to 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 get jhana, or we want this, and then we want that. But actually, what is the purpose of our life if we don't aim to be a better human being, a better loving being? And of course, these qualities have to be. 
connected with our daily life, how we behave with each other, what we say to each other, also what we think when we relate to each other. But also uh, this type of uh, thing cannot arise if the qualities in the mind are, are not there. So is it possible for us to have these qualities of loving kindness, these qualities of metta and compassion in the mind? And then from the mind it will come out with the actions. But uh, the, these qualities that can be developed in the mind can also be developed by way of meditation that can reach you know, very high level of absorption. It can, uh, it, can, it can reach jhanas because they are very powerful. So if we know how to practice them, then even very high states of uh, concentration can arise from these practices. I don't want to be too technical, and uh, you know, in the book they uh, they give ten advantages that uh, one will get by practicing the four Brahmavaya and by practicing the especially the, the the meta ten advantages. And then I will not read to them. Uh, I will not read them to you because, uh, well, you can look at the book, but still, you know, like a. Uh, they speak about uh, uh, we awakens we we awaken happily. We don't have bad dreams, and then we are pleasing to human beings. We are pleasing to spirits, to deities, and the deities protect us. And the fire, poison, and weapons do not injure one. One's mind quickly becomes concentrated. One's facial complexion is serene. One dies unconfused. And if one does not penetrate further, one fares to the Brahma world. So a lot of advantages. Like uh, also, like I just want to mention something uh, real. Uh, real la last year we were having, you know, with a friend, uh, just one week of metta meditation, just a retreat, and it was just one week. So the people who were serving the retreat told us that uh, they didn't have difficulty at all during the retreats, just because of that. So the retreat went so well. No problem at all, because if we are too tight with our practice, too much wanting samatha, you know, or too much in the vipassana, or the, 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 we get tension, and also all kinds of things come up. And uh, uh, when these things come up, then our behavior, it's a little bit disturbing. But if we have the practice of metta as a basic, then everything goes quite harmoniously. With, uh, with our uh, external relationship. And uh, when I was looking, you know, for that reference, again, you know, I just wanted to, uh, to, 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 to mention to you the 10 advantages that the texts are saying. Then I came across another one that is related to, uh, to this practice because I thought that uh, 
uh, I was wondering, you know, this uh, practice of, uh, like, I was wondering why in the second Rahula Sutta it was given to Rahula when he was 18 years old. So was it, I was wondering if the Rahula had started to practice meditation before the age of 18. And for me, it was kind of obvious he would have practiced the meditation before uh, he was 18 years old. And then uh, the, the other text, you know, that, uh, that I found is that, uh, is that uh, he's speaking about that. What do you think, you know, because if a youth, uh, if, a, if a young person were to develop the liberation of mind by loving kindness from his childhood on, will he do a bad deed? Will he do a bad deed? No, Bhante. Could suffering affect him if he doesn't, if he does no bad deed? No, Bhante. For on what occasion could suffering affect one who does no bad deed? A woman or a man should develop this liberation of mind of loving kindness. A woman or a man cannot take this body with them when they go. Mortals have mind as their core. So the noble disciple understands whatever bad deed I did here in the past with this deed-born body is all to be experienced here. It will not follow along. When the liberation of mind by loving kindness has been developed in this way, it leads to non-returning for a wise bhikkhu here who does not penetrate to further liberation. So, putting the text aside. We can say also that uh, if we practice, you know, like uh, all of us, we know about the practice, but uh, if, we, if we remind ourselves to practice a little bit of the metta, you know, before or sometimes, uh, you know, a lot in our meditation, then everything can change. And also the practice of metta could change, like sometimes uh, if you have a yogi job and uh, you are a bit, okay, now what? Uh, this is a yogi job and I want to meditate and now one hour I have to, you know, to do, I don't know, washing the pots or uh, cleaning this or cleaning that. Or So depending on how we do it, then the quality of the action is very different. So when we are doing the yogi work, for example, if we have metta, you know, if we have that intention, and then if we have the, per if we if we know that what we are doing is going to affect the people who will see it, then it's much more uh, it's much more rewarding for ourselves. We feel very happy. Oh, when I clean the toilet, then people who will come to the toilet are going to be happy, and then they will be able to use it uh, properly. When I chop the vegetable, no, it will be very useful. The cook it doesn't have to to do these little jobs, and then the yogis also will be able to have a good meal. Whatever little things we are doing, if we put that quality of metta, it changes everything. So the practice of metta definitely can change our life and also can lead us to very deep uh, state of meditation. And also it can connect us with very deep aspects of wisdom because we are speaking about 
uh, human beings. We are speaking about all beings. So the more we care, the more we accept others, we, the more we are able to accept you know, everything in all life, then the more we can observe it and understand it. The more we are open, and then the more we can understand it. So it's very, uh, it is very uh, useful. And then this is, uh, you know, liberation is coming from understanding and from observation. So we are speaking about, uh, again, you know, about ten precision without tension. Huh? So what would be the precision here? The precision can be in regard to the quality of the mind that is observing, or the quality of our mind, but also the clarity of the object that the mind is depending on. Huh? So we have seen, like uh, the charts, you know, that that, that, that uh, explain about the distance from the object, and also the other one, maybe another one. It speaks about the objects. Huh? So, what is the relationship with the mind and the object? So, in uh, guarding the senses. Then the mindfulness is very general, so the, the, we have the objects and then we are a bit aloof from them. Hmm? And uh, with clear comprehension, then the object will be connected a little bit closer. We will have a closer observation to the actions and then to, 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 to the physical aspects of uh, the things together with the mental aspect in general. And uh, when it comes to samatha, then these, the, the objects that the mind is going to choose will have the possibility to really strengthen the mind and then these objects also will be used as a very strong anchor from which the mind will get a lot of stability. And because these objects are not uh, changing, then the the mind has the possibility to get uh, deeply absorbed in uh, these objects. So the more we are able to look at something very precisely, then the more we know about it. So the precision is coming, actually, by being able to hold an object for a longer period. So it is so simple for me, and I'm sure that it is very simple for you. So the more I say, maybe the less you will understand. I'm not sure, but uh, you will have room for a question. Huh? And uh, maybe we just use these minutes of silence to practice a little bit and to see what we are talking about. So for about 10 minutes, we'll be in silence, and then... We'll see 
how we can develop, you know, the practice of metta, the practice of loving kindness. Can we say that a mother needs to, or a father needs to force herself or force himself to love a child? Or is love something natural? Is love a natural emotion? So when there is no greed, when there is no hatred, where we, when we are comfortable, then love can come by itself. But love also can be conditioned. Love is conditioned also. Huh? So we can condition it. That means we can also develop it. We can also uh, use some suggestions or some method just to uh, be able to develop it a little bit more in our mind. So now just to sit, I mean you are just sitting, but uh, just see that you are very comfortable. Just make yourself comfortable and then relax. Forget about the time, we will end up, you know, and you will not be tired so much. So metta is an attitude, but also metta is an emotion, but it's also an attitude. And then the attitude is just the attitude of acceptance. And metta is not something intellectual. It's something that we are living. It's something that we are experiencing. So now we are sitting here. How do we relate to this physical experience? How do we accept this physical experience? Maybe our pain. Maybe also our struggles, our worries, discontent, tiredness. Can we accept it? Can we also try not to identify so much with these things? Can we relax in the experience? I'm sure you are aware that uh, what you think about this become your food, this become an emotion. So the types of thoughts that we feed are also feeding our mind. Can we change our emotions? Can we change our thoughts? Do you want to feel good? Think about something good. Do you want to feel happy and comfortable? Think about somebody who gave you happiness and comfort. 
somebody who gave you security and confidence and encouragement, a good person in your life, somebody who has helped you. Think about a benefactor. Maybe when you were young, maybe when you were a student, a good teacher, just encouraged and give you tricks and make you laugh about your mistakes. Maybe your parents, some parents. Maybe just a friend, somebody who is good, somebody with whom you feel good to be with. Somebody to whom you can say anything, all your problems, all your difficulties. So you can remember the person, you can remember the situation, you can remember also the feeling of being with the person. How good you feel with that person. That person may be here. That person may not be here. But that person is in your mind. The person is with you, caring for you, loving you, accepting you, making you laugh, comfortable, happy. This is a feeling you feel better. You feel joyful. All your pains and worries go away. So good. Life is so beautiful. I love everybody. I love myself. I love my friend. It's fun, kind of. This practice has to be natural. It's not something that we force. It is just something that is in life. When we give a little bit of space, when we allow things to be a little bit more, when we accept. 
Don't force it. If it doesn't come to you, it doesn't matter. Maybe you love your dog or your cat. But for sure you leave somebody, somebody is loving you. Think about the person. So the law of nature also is that uh, when we receive something, then it becomes reciprocal. That means when somebody makes us happy, we want the person to be happy. When the person is making us happy, then we are grateful. We want also the person to be happy. We thank the person. We appreciate the person. And also, we appreciate ourselves because the person is just liking us so much. So the good feeling, however we are, whenever we are, this can be cultivated. This is an emotion that depends on our mind. That attitude can change all our life. Because then our meditation is really everywhere. All beings that we meet are the objects of our meditation. And ourself, we are also object of our meditation. We develop a good attitude. We strengthen the mind, and when the mind is strong, the mind is happy, the mind is clear, the mind is unified, intensified, and at that time, defilements have no room, because they don't have power against the force of metta. When I was young, we had a neighbor, and then she was a very old Greek Orthodox lady. And uh, at the entrance of her door, it was written somehow, you know, in colors painted. If there is love, there is no need. When there is no need, there is God. So as simply as that. This is why also this practice of metta is called the, one of the Brahmavihara. So this is where, this is how the gods are dwelling. Brahma. So we become a friend with God. We become God ourselves. And we lead a divine life. 
So when we die, like the turtles, then the mind is going into that magnetic field of the universe and then we get connected with very strong forces of love and clarity and light. This is here. We can connect to that. So, do we like to go down? To look down? Or do we like to go up and to look up? To the light? To happiness? Normally or often we have two types of death. So often people die and it's like a coconut falling from a tree. It goes right to the floor. But some other people, when they die, they are like birds on a branch. So when the branch breaks and falls, then the bird flies away. They are light. So now the practice of metta can make us very happy and also eventually because uh, for sure we are going to end up at some point where we'll have to die. So at that time then the mind is going to be also clear and uh, light and happy. So coming back to our story of Raoula, then at the end, the Buddha gave him the instruction for Anapanasati, and then he practiced Anapanasati. And because of these exercises, because of all these meditation, non-self, and then all these things, and then the Bhamaviya, then for sure, Anapanasati was very easy for him. Breathing in, breathing out, and then can get very happy can get very concentrated also. So, related to the technical aspect, the Brahmavira, they have as their objects, beings. So, the beings that we have, that we use, to strengthen or to depend the mind on, then this is the object. And on Anapanasati, our object, at the beginning, is mostly the practice of uh, awareness of the breath. So, depending on the objects we have, then we also have different possibilities now. I think we will uh, put aside the technical aspects of uh, the relationship with the objects and the possibility to get into different types of jhanas. But this is the door, the quality of the mind. The quality of the mind. Quality of the mind, clarity of the object, and continuity. So we end up here. If you like to sit a few minutes, you can continue to sit for some time. And uh, after five minutes or so, then we will have ended up. Thank you.
Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.